Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 41. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. I live in Baltimore, Maryland, and it just got cold all of a sudden. The heat in my apartment hasn't kicked on yet, so I'm kind of miserable right now, but that's okay. I've got a cat on my lap, some tea by my side, and a story for you that will warm your heart in a very special way, a way that no space heater could ever hope to do. But first, a Drabble story. Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words, a quick shot of ingenuity, creativity, and brevity. Send yours into Drabblecast at yahoo.com. This week's is called Urgent Request by Amina Fatima. This might sound strange, but you must understand, there is no time. I am 58 years old. I am deaf and suffering from a long-time cancer of the breast, which has also affected my brain. I have only a few months remaining on this world, so you must understand my urgency. I have no children, no spouse. I have sold all my inherited belongings and deposited all the sum of ten million dollars with First Inland Bank. This money is still with them, but not for long. I must issue a letter of authorization to somebody to receive it on my behalf, since I cannot because of my illness. It is my last wish to see that this money is invested to an organization of your choice and distributed each year to them. I trust that you will do the right thing. As soon as I receive your reply, I shall contact First Inland Bank and make you sole beneficiary of my funds. Please assure me that... Whoops. Sorry, folks. That was clearly... Well... It was over 100 words, first of all, but I suppose it's also an indication that we need to change our junk mail filters on the submissions. Yeah, our editors suck. But for real, I wonder if people fall for this kind of spam. Has anyone ever messed with these people or written back and gone along with it just to see what would happen? If you have, let us know on the forums. Could be funny. Well, today's story is no hoax or scam. It's not about cancer of the breast and brain. It's about... Well, you saw the title. It's by Kim McDougall, and it's called Set Another Place at the Table, I'm Bringing My Pimple. It was originally published by Alien Skin Magazine in 2004, and is currently deep in the archives of the author's site, Between the Cracks Fiction, at www.kimmcdougall.com. I'm giving Between the Cracks Fiction the official Norm Sherman stamp of sweetness. If you like the Drabblecast, you'll love what goes on over there. So grab a beer and bust out your cuticle cutter. Without further ado, the grossest story we've had since The Worm Within. Set another place at the table, I'm Bringing My Pimple, by Kim McDougall. It starts off like any normal bout of premenstrual syndrome. I'm constipated, I'm depressed, and I've got a pimple the size of a hazelnut on my chin. And it's not even politically correct to gripe about such things anymore. So I hose myself down with astringent, slather myself with cover-up, and run through the January slush for my bus. I'm late. The bus lumbers by, blind to my frantic waving. I decide to walk. It's only minus ten, less with the greenhouse factor. 
By the time I reach my office high-rise, my pimple throbs with the cold. If it doesn't go away soon, I think, I'm gonna have to buy it a toque. In the bathroom, I deftly apply more makeup to replace what is rubbed off on my scarf. My fingers ache to squeeze it, but this is neither the time nor the place. The bathroom door flings open. Sheila stoops so her bouffant doesn't scrape the top of the door frame. Hello, she says. Sheila resembles something out of a Mary Poppins carpet bag. Tall, thin, and big-boned. She emphasizes these with flower-print jumpsuits. Never a fan of subtlety, she exclaims, That's a whopping big zit on your chin, honey. Where? I gasp in mock alarm. If I didn't like Sheila so much, I'd hate her for calling me honey. That evening, as I settle in for my 4.3 hours of television, I soak the pimple with a hot washcloth. By the next morning, like a hothouse flower, it's blossomed into something spectacular. It's now beyond makeup. I search through my cupboard for my 1982 cowl neck sweater. I always knew they'd come back into fashion. Today I make my bus, but I wish I hadn't. As the people pile in, the temperature rises, but there's no room to unbutton the snowsuits. Steam rises from the humanoids pressed against me. It's okay, I whisper to my pimple. We're almost there. The cowl neck fools everybody, except Sheila. Oh, honey, she says in sympathy. Those are some hormones raging in your veins. I'm herded into the ladies' room where she whisks out her dizzying array of makeup. Deftly, she flicks open an eyeshadow compact. It's dark blue-violet, the color of the heroine's eyes in a romance novel. What's that? I ask, drawing back. Um, she flips over the compact. Bruised plum. Well, pretend your boyfriend beats you. I don't have a boyfriend. Well, there you go. You'll be the envy of the lunchroom. You know, Sheila, I say as she starts applying the eyeshadow, most women cover up their bruises and say they have a pimple. Trust me, honey. When I'm done, you'll have distinction. Sheila's right. For the rest of the afternoon, the other women in the office accord me with a certain infamy. They part like the Red Sea when I walk down the hall. No one can resist passing by my cubicle to get a peek at my bruise. I'm both enticing and repulsive. I have distinction. I even get a dinner offer, but I turn it down. What if he finds out it's only a zit? By Thursday, I'm worried. The pimple has molted, shedding its skin several times. Underneath is something inhuman. I think of all those alien movies about creatures nesting in eardrums or bursting out of abdomens. Desperately, I, I scrutinize the pimple for features. A head, a nose. But at this point, it's just a quivering mass of flesh in my chin. I call in sick. I spend the day watching soap operas I haven't seen since my last sick day. My makeup mirror is close at hand, and every time it throbs, I inspect the pimple, like a mother feeling her baby kick inside her womb. By sundown, I can recognize the definite outline of limbs, poking through my skin and dangling down like a ratty beard. Oh my god. Feet. It's a breech birth. Do I call a doctor? I can't. I feel sort of maternal for the ogre growing from my chin, 
What if they hack it off or, or smear it with a turpentine-based cleanser? No doctors, I decide. I'm a, I'm a pioneer, nine months pregnant and, and not a midwife for miles around. I boil some water. The cravings keep me awake at night. I inspect my growth in the chrome toaster while I mix instant oats with peanut butter and teriyaki. The convex toaster makes it look even more bloated and hideous, but I block those thoughts from my mind. Somewhere I read that attractive babies get more attention and, and better care than ugly ones, and I want to be a good mother. Friday morning, I realize that the dangling limbs are arms, not feet. I think I can even see the head. It throbs like a tequila hangover. I wonder if I should try and push, but my brain has trouble accessing the muscles on my chin. When was the last time I even thought about the muscles on my chin? At noon, the phone rings. I let the machine answer. It's Sheila, wondering how I am. <laughs> Wouldn't she like to know? I want to call her over. Sheila would be able to deal with this. But I'm a pioneer woman. I must birth this thing alone. The chills wake me. Sweat, fever, nausea. I've got them all. In the glaring bathroom light, my growth casts a shadow across my face. It yawns, puckering my chin, and the tiny fingers at the end of the dangling arms make fists, searching for something to grab onto. Suddenly, I no longer feel maternal. I want it off. Now. I look through the drawers for a razor blade, but all I can find is one of those lady shavers that can't even trim the hair on my legs. In desperation, I pull out a cuticle cutter. It's old and dull, but I wield it like a rapier. I'll gouge it off if I have to. Poised for the attack, I stop. From one of the apartments above me, I hear a man and a woman arguing. They sound like a sitcom, and I expect to hear canned laughter in the background. There is none, though, only slamming doors and very faint sobbing. I put down the cuticle cutter find a beer, and turn on a late-night movie. After all, this is the most company I've had on a Saturday night in months. Well, that was our story. I hope you liked it. Being a guy, and being accustomed to how freaking gross guys are, I forget that girls can be pretty nasty, too. And speaking of gross, feedback from our Halloween episode, episode 36, Pumpkin Seeds by Kevin Anderson. Wow, universal acclaim on this one. Tom said, I'm not really one for horror, but gads, that was a great story. Your character execution, no pun intended, was top notch. Rennie said, you really outdid yourselves this time, guys. Thumbs up to everything this week, both stories, production, narration, and especially the facehugger pumpkin. And Savoy said, I really like the Drabble. I love zombies, and I'm always interested to see different approaches to the zombie story narrative. I enjoyed the production of the main story. The music really enhanced the drama. I'd be curious to listen to the story without it. I'm glad everyone seemed to enjoy the special. As for all the production, I've been doing more and more of that lately. 
I personally feel as an audio fiction market, it's worth exploring things like background music and sound effects, as long as they enhance an already strong story. But let us know your thoughts. We just added a suggestion section to our forums, which you should join. We'd love to know your thoughts on what we do, what works and what doesn't work, what you'd like to see more or less of. Remember, the thing about the Drabblecast is that you'll never know quite what you're getting yourself into every Wednesday. We're going to keep that up. And, of course, this podcast will only occasionally be over 20 minutes. But other than that, we're pretty open-minded about things. And if you're a writer, send your stories of 1 to 2,000 words to Drabblecast at yahoo.com. Send us your reprints. You might as well make some more cash from them and put them out to more people. That's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means you can't change it or sell it, but you can share it with your pimple. Tell your friends to subscribe, and if you really want to be awesome, donate a few bucks to us via the PayPal link on our website. We appreciate your support very much. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you that cowl-neck sweaters are all the rage. Thank you.